Good morning. Uh, talking about money is like one of the hardest things, especially if, I mean, I'm assuming as a pastor, asking people in the church for money is really difficult. But, uh, and helping people kind of have a vision for money in their life. And two years ago, Sarah and I had just gotten married in August. It was December. We were doing the Christmas offering. And uh, Stephen preached, and I just felt like God was moving in my heart to, to give to that Christmas offering. But Sarah and I were living off of my paycheck because she hadn't gotten a job yet. And so we had literally every month we were paycheck to paycheck. Um, and most months, because we had saved, God had you know, been gracious to us, we were actually having to use our savings to kind of make it each month. And so, you know, we commit, you know, we're like giving our 10% here, you know, each month. Well, December comes around, and we're, we've given our tithe for the month. And Stephen gives a sermon. I'm like, well, crap. Sorry, <laughs> kids. Um, mess. Um, we, uh, I'm like, I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to give, you need to give $200. And I go home, and I'm like, Sarah, I think the Lord wants us to give $200, and we don't have it in the budget. And she's like, she's, she's the more rational thinker between us. And she's like, she's, and she's like, okay, I feel like we need to take a step of faith here. That's great. What about 150? Like, she's like trying to be a little bit more realistic because like, we don't have this money to give uh, unless we just take it from our savings and give it. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, let's settle on 175. We kind of met in the middle, right? Compromise in marriage, guys. Um, and <clears throat> she, so we, we did that. And then I actually, I didn't forget about it. We were going to tithe once my second, like you get paid twice a month, right? So I, I was gonna, we were going to give that uh, when, when, the, when we got paid again. Um, well, I was driving to uh, La Mesa, and I get a call from a guy named Brink Bowers who lives in Clemson, South Carolina. So Brink and I used to be on staff with Campus Outreach together in South Carolina. So we've been friends for a while, but I haven't talked to this guy in a year or two. He calls me up, and he's like, Josh, man, I just got out of a meeting. He sells insurance for bb and It's a bank back in the South. He says, I, I, wanted to, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to call you because I just got out of a meeting, an insurance meeting with this guy who, like a trucking company or something crazy. I don't even know what it was. And he's like, you came up. And I'm like, what? Why did I come up in an insurance meeting in South Carolina? Right, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, I was talking about what you do and how you've been a friend or whatever. And he said, uh, I was sharing like what Campus Outreach is, and this guy gave me $200 cash to send to you in the mail. I wasn't planning on getting emotional. That's, that's crazy. Okay, but sorry. Um, but I was like, I got off the phone, and I called Sarah. I was like, Sarah, oh, my gosh. Like, we just got 200 bucks. And I'm like, I think about that, and I'm like, steps of faith. I, I, and I, could tell, I, I, I told Stephen, I could share you probably 50 stories that's happened to me. Um, and I think, like, it's hard to, it's hard to, kind of hard to talk about this because it's like you share these stories because it makes it, makes it look like we did something right, but we just took a step of faith and God provided. Like, I'm like, God, if you don't give this, we're just going to take it out of our savings, but we're trusting that you're going to do something here. Um, and he did, and I thought that was really, really cool. So I wanted to share, when you take steps of faith, I really, really believe, this is not prosperity gospel, that God will show up for you in that way and, really, and, like, and it's really like you get to share in like the, the joys of Jesus in that, I think. So uh, that's my story. Um, wanna, so I'll, I'll pray and get us started. Um, Jesus, um, man, take the emotions away. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jesus, just praying for my heart, uh, for the hearts of the men and women and the children here today 
Jesus, would you, would you ready our hearts to hear your word? Uh, Jesus, would the, the words that I speak not be from me, they, they would really be from you, um, that you would be exalted, you would be made much of, that your name would be praised here today, Jesus. Um, uh, in your name, amen. So, like Stephen said, I'm Josh. Uh, I work with Campus Outreach at Point Loma. Um, and I, I really am really excited to share with you guys this morning. Like, this passage gets me fired up. When Stephen asked if I would preach, I actually asked for this set of verses because we studied this as a, as a campus outreach summer leadership program last summer. And this, this passage has become probably one of my favorite in the scriptures over the years. Um, and I've already gotten emotional once, but I'm, I, there's, a, there's a good chance that I might get emotional today. So sorry, not sorry. Um, but it's because, like, I really think, like, I get to talk about Jesus and that gets me, like I said, that gets me fired up. So I want to start by doing something a little bit different today. We're going to read a prayer together, and it's called The Valley of Vision. And I think it, it's written by some old, smart, dead guy from like the 1600s. Uh, it's called The Valley of Vision. So I'm going to read, and then the next slide it will say all. We'll all read it together. I've never really done this before, so bear with me as I lead you guys in this. I don't, but what I would love for you guys to do is really take time to, as you, like, pray this with me, right? As we start this sermon Pray this with me because I think it embodies what the passage is talking about. So here we go. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox, all, that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from the deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. Amen. <clears throat> I, I, I hope this, this passage, or this, this, not passage, this, this prayer sets the tone for us. I think for you to be a Christian, you have to live this way. You have to think this way. Uh, and this is the great paradox. Um, but it's the way Jesus did it. This is the way Jesus lived his life. And so we're going to uh, look at Philippians 2, 4 through 11. Um, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there, it'll be on the screens as well. But we're going to read through that, and we'll get going. Philippians 2, 4. Let each of you... Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
So to the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. <clears throat> so there's two points today. I'm not going to pull the Stephen and go three. We're going two. All right. Um, number one is this. Christ was brought low, so we have to be brought low. Christ was brought low, so we have to be brought low. Like, the life of faith in Christ is never promised to be easy. I think if, if you've been around the church, you know that. But, like, it's never promised to be easy. We think it's going to be hard for somebody else, but never for us. No. Um, and what I mean by that is exactly what Paul is saying here in, in, in verses 4 and 5. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And this means you can't look out for yourself, which every one of us, myself included, we do. It's about looking out for me and getting mine, you know? And so what I, what I think, what I love about this is that it's, Paul is calling us to look out for the interests of others, and that requires sacrifice. It requires work. It requires some uncomfortability, right? Um, and I'm not a parent, but I live with a kid. And uh, as a parent in this room, you get this, right? When you're looking out for the interests of your kid, it, it requires work, sacrifice and uncomfortability, right? Um, but I hope that we, we think about this a little bit more deeper than that. I mean, like Paul is literally in prison when he's writing this. Paul's in prison. And so this isn't like prison like we got today when you got TVs and you got internet and crazy stuff. But like this is like a hole in the, in the, in the ground. And so they don't know exactly where Paul, which prison Paul was in when he wrote this, when he penned Philippians. But they do know for a fact that Paul was in the Mamertine prison at one point. So we can show this video. Um, so this is the Mamertine prison in Rome. So this is about a half a mile, quarter of a mile from the Colosseum. Sarah and I got to go last summer. This is literally a hole in the ground. There's a, right at the top, there's a hole. They would drop food or whatever down into. And there's no way out. And it's like a half circle room, stone room. So Paul was sitting in something like this, probably in his own feces, legitimately, when he wrote these words, look out for the interests of others. Like Paul was like, like when I, I think about this crazy because it's like, he could have renounced all the, the Jesus stuff, right? And got to come out, of, the, got to come out of, 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 of jail or out of prison. But he didn't because he was looking out for the interests of others. For you and I, pinning these words in a place like this, Right? And I, it's crazy to think because it's like when I first started writing this sermon, I was sitting on my, my balcony looking like over San Diego. Um, it was sunny. It was like 69 degrees. I had my coffee. And I'm writing this stuff, right? Like Paul's sitting in this writing, this, writing these words to us. I'm sitting like it's, it's very different. And so I love that. I love that because Paul's challenging us to think differently. He's challenging us, challenging us to live paradoxically. And, I, and I'm not saying that we need to leave San Diego, start, you know, move to Tijuana or overseas. Mike, Mike's doing that for us, guys. Um, but I'm not saying we need to do that. But what I am saying is, like, we need, like, Jesus left the place of comfort to be uncomfortable. And so this passage has actually really been stretching me in a lot of ways the past couple of weeks. And the biggest one is, my wife Sarah, before we got married, 
Um, well, before we got married, she was mentoring a girl with Big Brother Big Sister back in Greenville, South Carolina, since the girl was like 14. She's 17 now, and Sarah stayed in contact with her, loving on her and caring for her. Well, about three, four weeks ago, she calls us, and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, crap. Um, sorry, again. Oh, shoot. I'm not supposed to say that word in church, I don't think. Um, but I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's crazy. And Sarah immediately, she's like, she's like crying, and she's like in, so in love with this girl. She's like, she's thinking, like, how can I help her? How can we give resources? How can we, like, be there for the birth? What, what can we do? How can I love this girl through this process? She's not at all, like, thinking about herself. But me... If I'm honest, if I'm going to be really honest with you guys, I was uncomfortable. It felt inconvenient. It felt scary to me. Like, but this is what Jesus does for us, right? He loves us. He loves me. He loves us, right? He looks out for the interests of others. This is why I love Sarah. Um, she challenges me to get outside of what's comfortable. This is why I love Jesus, because he challenges me to get outside of what's comfortable. Um, to help those people who are hurting, um, the girl who's pregnant, right, the homeless families, the, the foster child coming out of um, f the foster system. And I, this is, these are things that Sarah has done, and I'm thinking, like, how crazy is it that I am 100% okay with walking up to a college student at a table in a cafeteria, sitting down, introducing myself, and talking to them about Jesus in the very first, conversa very first conversation I have? Or sitting down with someone on a plane and able to get into a spiritual conversation with someone on a plane. And I feel comfortable doing that. But loving people who are hurting is hard for me. I'm like, this is why we need Jesus. And this is why we need each other. Because Jesus challenges us to be uncomfortable. And people around us challenge us to be uncomfortable. Um, and we do this together. We walk together. And so what do we see from Jesus here? How was he brought low? How did he live uncomfortable? Um, and how do we have that same mind? Well, verses 6 through 8 tell us this. It says, Who, Jesus, though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so I, I, this, these three verses right here are the ones that probably challenged me the most. Um, and then, so I, I started looking at other versions. What do other, you know, uh, versions of the Bible have to say? So I looked at the NLT and the NIV, and I, I, just language. Like, how does language affect us? And so, and the NLT says, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave. Jesus, God, gave up divine privileges, became, took the position as a slave. The NIV says, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus emptied himself fully. He let go of all things. And think about some of those words. I mean, look at the screen, like, Servant, slave. When was the last time slave in your, voc in your conversations was, was attributed, like, uh, you know, in syn synonymous with anything good, right? Emptied himself, made himself nothing, gave up his divine privileges. 
Jesus was and is God. But he let go of that. He let go of his divine privileges. He let go of his safety. He let go of his oneness with God, his perfect relationship with God. He let go of his will. He let go of the will to do what he wants. I mean, he's God. God creates and does what he wants, right? Jesus humbles himself and says, I'm actually not going to do what I want. He says, I want to do what the Father wants. And what I mean by that is, like, he came to do the Father's will, not his own. So he's challenging us in that way. And here's some verses I want us to look at. Uh, He says this over and over and over again in the New Testament. Jesus says this. He says, John 5.30, I think we have it up there. Maybe we don't. Oh, we do. Great. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 12, 49 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, to, what, what to say and what to speak. Uh, John 14, 31 says, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. And then maybe one of the well, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> One of the most well-known is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, he's crying out to his father, right? He's crying out, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. There's so many of these verses, but you get the point. Jesus didn't come down to live as a cowboy doing his own thing, right? Like, he modeled the very thing that he calls us to do. He modeled the very thing he calls us to do. Follow him completely, full surrender, absolute trust. I want to stop there. Like, think about that. Like, think about someone, like, if you were in a position of authority and you, and someone was like, nah, give that up. You'd be like, no, right? I've earned this place. And he says, I will do whatever you want, Father. Are you kidding me? Like, Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Like, God died because he was so committed to his father. Jesus died. And so I hope you see it. Like, to come to Jesus, to be a Christian, to live this life as a Christian, we got to let go. I was hoping to not have a mic in my hand because I want to get two hands. Right? We, gotta, we, gotta, we can't just have one hand and one hand behind our back. we got to have two hands fully extended to Jesus. And I think so often in my own heart, we're like, we have, a, we have a handout. We're saying, God, I'm all in. But we got one hand behind our back holding on to one thing, right? Jesus is saying, two hands, all in. This is the fullness of being low, the fullness of being vulnerable before the king and trusting him with your life and trusting him with your marriage your singleness, your money, your kids, your decisions, your service at church, right? Like entrusting him with all things. Jesus entrusted himself fully. And, he, and what's crazy is even though he knew that the cross lay ahead, he entrusted himself fully. He was obedient to the point of death. And I think about that and I'm like, none of us would do that more than likely 
as, as righteous as sometimes I might feel like I, I might do that. Like, no, because, like, that's really hard to do. And so I asked ask myself this question. I'm like, why? And the Sunday school answer is like, Jesus died because he loves us. Yes, that's true. But like, but like, why, why endure? Why give up all of those things? Like, what caused that? And I think about, like, you know, our, the title of our series is Invincible Joy. And I think about Hebrews 12, 2. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, is see- and, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How could he have joy? Because he knew what was coming. So the second point is this, Christ is exalted. So first point, we have to be brought low. Christ was, Christ was brought low, Christ is exalted. Remember the valley of vision, to be low is to be high. Um, but to, wear the cross is to, to bear the cross is to wear the crown. Christ is exalted above all things. So verses 9 and 10, therefore... God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, amen. So how? Why? How could he have joy in the midst of incredible odds, incredible suffering? How did he persevere? He knew the end of the story. He knows that the only way up is down. That to be high is to be low. He knew that God was faithful to his promises and he was fully surrendered to the Father. Oh, and guess what? So do we. Because Jesus rose from the dead. But how did he persevere? How did he, how did he, I mean, but this joy, like how did he see the joy? Well, he knew he was going to be raised up. He knew he was going to pay for your sin. He knew he was going to pay for my sin. And guess what? So do we, because he rose from the dead. But, but how, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't ever feel joy when I have these, these odds against me or whatever. How did he do that? Well, he knew he was going to defeat death. He knew he was buying our way to the Father, and he knew that he would sit down at the right hand of God, mission complete, it is finished. And so do we. Because he rose from the dead. It's all about him. I mean, I hope you caught this. Um, sorry. I hope you caught the songs. I hope you got the songs. Like, it's all about Jesus today. We're going to praise the name of Jesus. That's it, right? And hopefully that's going to cause us to go and live a life that reflects him. Um, <clears throat> he has won the truth for us. We worship, we follow, we trust Jesus. We bow down, we let go of, we hope in things to come. 
because of Jesus. Um, I think the reason I get emotional is because, like, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my next words, and it says, "Why don't I live like that?" I get emotional because it's like, man, Jesus is, it's pretty great, um, but um, the reality is, I don't live like that. Um, <clears throat> this week I was wrestling with it because it's like, this week's been like a pretty emotional. This is not in the sermon, actually. This is free. Free, uh, free of charge. Um, but, like, this has been a hard week, and I've been, like, really struggling to live the things that I'm coming to you with. I've been struggling to live out myself. Um, and I feel like, like Satan has been, like, coming out with some, with some mental and emotional stuff all week. Um, and I think about it, like, why don't we live like that? And I, and I thought to myself, I'm like, you might be saying, like, yeah, Josh, well, that was Jesus and I'm me. Like, that. I was saying that this week. That, that Jesus, that's you. I, I can't do this. You don't, I, like, Jesus, life is so hard. Like, you don't know how hard my life is. And for me to say, like, I don't. I don't know how hard your life is. You don't know how hard my life is. But Jesus does. Press into him. And I thought, like, but you don't know how busy I am. No, I don't. But Jesus does. Make time for him. But I, you, I, don't, I don't know my future, right? I don't know how to get through where I'm at. No, I don't. But Jesus does. Trust him. And I think about that, and I'm like, this is the deal. This gives me, this gives me hope. This gives me, like, confidence and assurance. Jesus isn't calling you into something he hasn't already done himself. Like, he modeled what he wanted us to do. We're going to struggle. We're going to suffer there's a joy that's set before us. Like we get to share in the inheritance of Jesus, the one that Jesus bought for us. So here's the rest of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like, cast aside every weight and sin. Run the race with endurance. We got some friends in here who just ran the half marathon last week. They're, they're the reason you relate to church. Um, but, like, you, like, from what I understand, I will never run a marathon. Not going to do it. It's on my bucket list of things not to do in life. Um, but everyone I've talked to says there's, you hit a wall. Like, you're running, you're running, you're running, boom. There's going to be a point in the race where you hit a wall. And do you quit or you keep pushing through? And I think about that when it comes to this. Like, he says, run the race with endurance. Cast aside every weight and sin. So, like, this week for me, being, like, bombarded with thoughts or just frustrating situations or whatever, right? Do I quit or do I press in harder to Jesus and trust that he's going to carry me through? And that's what I think he's talking about here. Run the race with endurance that is set before us. For the joy set before him, and that joy is Jesus. And it's getting to be with Jesus and sharing in the inheritance. So will we look to Jesus, will we run the race, will we fight sin and be uncomfortable because Jesus has won it for us, 
and we get to share in his inheritance. And I get that from Romans 8, 16 and 17. It says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Provided we suffer with him. Christ is exalted above all things. And if we trust our life to Jesus, if we're all in, two, both hands open before the Lord, looking out for the interests of others, pressing into Jesus, we share in his inheritance. So as we come to a close, um, got three kind of application thoughts for you. Number one, if you're not a Christian, if the, Lord, if the Spirit of God is working in your heart, which I believe that he does, um, I, would, I would say turn from your sin. Surrender to Jesus and follow him. All, all in, both hands open. Surrender to Jesus. We have, we'll have a prayer team up here. Come, I would say come talk to me or you know, prayer team or whatever. I'd love to, to help you with that. I think number two, if you're living comfortable and not looking out for the interests of others, just do it. Right? Everybody's wearing Nike in here, right? So just do it. I'm just kidding. Um, no, just, like, get involved. I mean, the homeless, the stand down for the homeless vets, like, get involved with that. Uh, do homeless mentoring. Uh, serve the church, right? Uh, reach, I mean, Hope for San Diego. We had some guys and girls from our church here go and serve at Generate Hope, one of our church partners yesterday. Really fun. Great way to serve, right? Like, hit up Hope for San Diego and, and look for ways to volunteer. And I, I put it third in there or second, but I actually want to save it to last because I think this, one, this one's really, really big for me. Listen, walk, and love people through issues like teen pregnancy. Like who identify people in your circles who are struggling and serve and love on them? Ask them how they're doing. Press in and... And if, if, if you're the one who's struggling, I would even encourage you to reach out and say, hey, can someone who's trusted, maybe in the church, like, hey, can you help? Can we pray together? Like looking out, for the, not for only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. If you're the one who's hurting, it's like, don't be like, well, what are they going to think, right? Don't worry about what they're going to think. Don't look out, but like just be vulnerable. Um, and I would just encourage, continue to push into Jesus. And then lastly, if that's you, or wherever you, every one, every one of us have these circumstances or issues, look through your circumstances and believe Jesus, believe the hope that Jesus has for you in himself. And I, I was talking to Stephen about this on Thursday when we met, and I get that is incredibly simple. I mean, if you take anything away, it's like, hopefully you, you hear one thing, trust Jesus, right? In all of things, trust Jesus. The answer is that simple. The practice of that is incredibly difficult because life happens, right? People happen, emotions happen, situations happen, and just kind of wreck that, that firmness of trusting Jesus. But when we look to Jesus, because he modeled that for us, when life began to fall apart, what did he do? He kept pressing into the Father. So would we do that? The answer is simple. The practice is difficult. So I'm going to close in prayer. I'm just going to read the Valley of Vision again, and, and we'll be done. So you can uh, close your eyes. We're not going to do the back and forth. Um, 
Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly. You have brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from the deepest wells, and the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. In the sweet name of Jesus, amen.